Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Discovery Channel told you how it's made, but not much more. I'm your host, Yanni, and this is Why It's Made. Now, I grew up watching How It's Made. Uh, my dad was a big fan of it, and I can just picture him now asleep on the couch with How It's Made playing in the background with some obscure, totally random object being made and them telling you how it's made. And so I thought, you know what? I miss that show. I want to watch it again. And why not make it into a podcast? Because honestly, I've dabbled with podcasts quite a bit. I'm a big fan of them in general. I listen to them all the time. And I've also been in three podcasts, none of which unfortunately have worked out purely because it's actually incredibly hard to make a podcast. So here's hoping that I actually stick to this one. So this week on How It's Made, we are starting off, we're going to go chronological. So we're going to go from season one, episode one through. There's quite a lot. Now, I don't know if any of you know this, but it's actually a Canadian program, which is lots of fun. So often, you know, their measurements will be in in Celsius and in centimeters and meters. I don't know how this played for American audiences, but I'm sure it's just as popular as it was in Australia and probably in Canada. They're still running, I think. The episodes are still going. Oh, I guess I should say how this is going to work. Basically, I have watched the episode ahead of time, but I'm going to rewatch it in real time with you guys. Obviously, it's not going to be the exact amount of time because if I pause for a long time, I'm not going to let you listen to that. I'll just cut it out. Um, but I'll rewatch it and I'll comment as I go along and I'll tell you my own stories and experiences with the objects that they're making to give you not just some clarity on how it's made, but also why it's made, hence the title of the podcast. Okay, so I'm going to press play and let's begin. Uh, this is quite an old program, actually, I believe. Let me just look it up. How it's made started January 6, 2001. So long ago. So it's been around for a long time and the graphics kind of give away that it's quite an old show. And what they used to have is a host to the program, which would he would appear at the beginning of the episode and be like, hey, at the beginning of this episode, too. He's like, hey, you want to know how toothpicks are made? Maybe you want to know how an airplane is made. Well, I'm about to tell you. And he's like sporting this this turtleneck and you can see that he's in a vague, probably Canadian city. He's quite the hunk. And he's just like, yeah, you ever wondered about things? Well, here it is. And then he goes on to give this weird fact about uh, butterflies, but let's not. Anyway, so today's episode, we are starting off with aluminum foil or for my American listeners, aluminum foil. I think Canadians say aluminum as well. Whatever. I'm going to say aluminum because I feel more fancy when I say aluminum. So we're beginning with that. And then we'll go to snowboards, contact lenses, and bread. I'm pretty sure I'll make that the title of the episode, so I'm sure you know what I'm going to be talking about. But the crazy thing about aluminium is that it is a metal. Like, they come to the factory in these massive blocks. And then they basically get these, these big blocks of pure, like, aluminium, I guess, and they shove them into this furnace, and it just melts them down so my question is i guess they got them from the mines because obviously they weren't naturally pulled like this so i guess they were mined and then put into these blocks and now these blocks are getting melted down again oops 
hit my microphone. They're getting melted down again into these slabs, I guess you would describe them as. Long, long slabs. And you know what? I am a big fan of aluminium. I know it's not the best for the environment, and I have invested in beeswax uh, to wrap my sandwiches and stuff with. But I just, I don't know. I think there's something about aluminium that is just so rewarding to wrap. And it's kind of pretty, you know? It's a little... It's a little camp. It's a little like it's a little extra. It's no glad wrap, and it's not you know paper. So I think it's I think it's a it's definitely the gayer sort of condiment wrapping item. So what it looks like they've done is they've turned them into blocks. So they melted them down. They turned them into blocks. They're in the process of making the aluminium as pure as it can be because there can't be any imperfections when making aluminium foil. And what they're going to do is they're going to flatten it using a repetitive process of just squishing it down until it gets to be like half a centimeter in, in, in width or something crazy like that. I just I really couldn't believe it that that this is one of the things that just blows my mind about uh, how it's made is just the simple things that we use every day like aluminum foil. When I was growing up, we um, I remember someone talking about. Uh, oh no, there was a news, a news report on aluminium foil and how you should wrap shiny side out so that your sandwich has the duller side on the inside so that it would deter birds or something like that. Like I heard that the shininess of the object scares away predators. Saying that aloud right now is the craziest, most stupidest thing I think I've ever really thought about or said aloud. But I swear to you, there was a report where it was like, parents, wrap your children's sandwiches shiny side out so that birds or something can't get to it. I have no idea what that was, but I, it, it's in my memory and I'm pretty sure it's not a false memory. So don't come after me, but I, yeah, I just remember it so vividly. So I'm still watching and they're still flattening it down. The thickness currently is at five centimeters on the program and they still need to get it down to another, you know, uh, down to half a centimeter. And uh, they got to be careful because it's getting very brittle, as you can imagine. And they need to be careful. So they roll it. They roll it up on itself. Spool it, I guess it is, so that it, it's, it doesn't break, I guess. Because if you think how thin aluminium foil is, look, I'm watching a video right now on how it's made, and I still have not got a fucking clue how it's made. It just blows my mind. Also, I will say, just as a tidbit on the side, that this is my first podcast that I've kind of done alone. I attempted one once before, but it didn't work out. But I had nothing really to talk about. At least with this one, I can look at the, the program, the how it's made, and I can tell you, you know what? This reminds me of this. This one's a little bit of a, a long one for a process that is just repeated over and over and over. Oh, it's done. Oh, my God. See, these programs, they just, and they're just like, and that's how it's made. The end. Oopie doopie doop. Ugh, let's take a break. Okay. Been having a rough time, you know, working from home. It's uh, it's a little bit stressful, but not like serious stressful, just light stress. Like I forgot to CC someone on an email and it's not that big of a deal, but God, I really stress about it. And I've been getting seasonal depression. Although, is it really seasonal if it's happening every season? But 
yes, you know. And I went and saw my doctor the other day and I'm like, look, I need my medication again. And she was like, how long have you been taking this? And I was like, oh, like eight years. And she's like, you're on a really high dosage and you've been taking it for so long. Why haven't you gotten better? And I'm like, gotten better? What are you talking about? I thought this was just going to be like a thing forever. And she's like, no, like you should probably go to therapy and like sort this out and we can slowly wean you off the medication. This was kind of mind blowing to me because I really thought it was just something that I would have to take, you know, forever, like a vitamin. But because I just thought my body just didn't naturally produce serotonin, but I guess it can learn to do that. It's news to me, but uh, we'll see how we go. I don't know if I really want to talk to anyone because nothing is wrong with my life. I have a great life, to be honest, just a little depressed, you know. So the next one is snowboards, which is actually really funny because where I'm recording from today is my friend's apartment and she is currently away snowboarding and she has her own snowboard and you know what i grew up going to the ski slopes i'm from australia and it may seem wild to the people who aren't from australia that i there are ski slopes in australia they're not the best they're not as good as new zealand or like japan like those closer ones but they're adequate and we went every year and i was a skier i never wanted to snowboard i did try snowboarding when my sisters took it up but i just couldn't go down the hill fast enough so i immediately gave it up Classic me, that is a constant issue in my life. I just give up when I'm not good at it instantly. I guess I should describe what's happening. So basically they've cut the snowboard out of like plywood, I suppose it is. And it's completely flat. There isn't any curvature in it, obviously at the moment. And I had always wondered, especially with skis and snowboards, how, how does it curve? I guess wood is, can curve. I guess you just never think of it necessarily curving. But it fully does, and it fully can. It's quite flexible, good old wood in some places. So a lot of this process is prepping it, and basically they've cut out the wood, and it's basically done. But they need to, you know, layer it and glue it, and then they get fiberglass, and they glue that on with an epoxy. And they just, it's, it's a process of, of smoothing it out and putting it in different temperatures so that the epoxy is able to, uh, you know, adhere to the board properly. Now, I watched this earlier, and I'm still not entirely sure how the board gets its bend. Um, if you're familiar with a snowboard, there are two, and if you're not, there are two sides to it, obviously, and they slightly tilt up. That way it doesn't, you know, you don't get stuck in the snow when as you're going downhill. And like, okay, so somehow I think they heat it up and they, and it kind of pulls the board up at the ends and it, they become like rigid in an upward fashion. But literally, as I'm watching it right now, I have no idea how they did it. Snowboarding is a tough one. You know, that's I think it's I think it's harder than skiing. But also I can see how for people who maybe were surfers or even skateboarders that their natural inclination towards snowboarding, it's definitely the cooler one. I'm more attracted to snowboarders than I am to skiers. But in saying that, I could get down with a skier. Like, I'm not above sleeping with a skier. I just think a snowboarder would just be that much sexier. Also, their boots are so much more sexier than uh, ski boots. Ski boots, you're like clonking, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe. And you're like, um, I don't know, like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. But snowboarders are allowed to swagger because they have these like boots that just allow them to do that and they can just really like throw their hips out with how much they're swaggering into town they're just much more attractive just by default i guess but you know what snowboarders spend a lot of time on their ass which works for some people doesn't work for me i do not want a soggy bottom 
and I did do snowboard lessons for a little bit and I did have a soggy bottom, but that's why you get the snowboarder pants, which has the, like the diaper in it. You know what I mean? Like not a diaper. It's like just extra padding on the ass because you know, you're going to fall on yourself. Also wrist, wrist guards, not a cute look. And when you're a beginner, you probably should have wrist guards and probably something from the knees. My friend who is away snowboarding right now, out goes her knee. The other last time that she, uh, she went snowboarding, <sighs> dislocated her knee or something like that. Here's hoping she's okay now. Okay. So they finished the snowboard. Uh, I still, I don't know how they did it. They just glaze it over a lot. Next is contact lenses. Now this is boggling to me because they said that contacts have existed for over a century. Now there are some inventions where I'm like, thank God I don't live pre, I don't know, pre-war or something like that, because that would just be horrifying to have to use. And this, the contacts would, is definitely one of them. To be one of the first people to wear contacts, because they said in this program that they're especially rigid, the earlier ones, and I'm just picturing a piece of glass that they, people just shoved in their eyes. I had this friend, he didn't like how he looked with glasses on, but he doesn't like contacts or something like that. So what they did, what he does, is he puts in these hard contacts while he sleeps, and it forms his eye overnight, so that when he wakes up, he can see properly. That is crazy, almost barbaric. I, but you know what? People go to a lot of lengths to not wear glasses. And you know what? The people who don't need glasses are wearing glasses. I don't need glasses. I have 20-20 vision. And I have a pair of those blue light glasses, which I'm not even convinced does anything. But I think I just look good when I wear glasses sometimes. And I don't understand why people who have to wear glasses don't feel like that. I don't know what their baggage is. Maybe they were teased or something. So it looks like the contacts, obviously they've evolved. They're not made of glass anymore. They're, very, they're made of a very a thing that is very flexible, uh, very durable, can stay in the eye, you know, for a full day. And it's a very precise work that is required. It, it, there's a lot of molding. Um, and I think it's like, what did they say? Silicon or something like that. And it gets polished. And this is all very high tech. I can't imagine this technology having existed for very long. Surely back in the 1950s, this exact same technology was happening. I'm sure there was something else that was going on back then. It was probably horrid to put in your eye. I don't know why people pre now would put anything like this in their eye, especially the eye, such a sensitive part of the body, pretty much universal too. any animal you come into just fucking jab it in its eye. I'm sure it'll back away straight away you know and i know a lot of blind people not fully blind obviously um but i know a fair few amount of people who require contacts and you, you never know because they just love their contacts and they don't like how they look with glasses on but there will come a time where they will have to admit that they wear contacts you know whether their prescription runs out or they forgot to put them in one day and they'll squint at you just right and you'll be like this motherfucker needs glasses and refuses to wear them. Sometimes people would rather be blind than just put on your goddamn glasses. I guess I just can't relate because yeah, my vision is perfect. Okay, so now they're using this computer, which obviously I really don't think existed has existed for that long to test the contacts to make sure that they can actually <laughs> provide the correct vision for the person who's wearing them, which is good, I guess. 
Um, I'm I am very thankful that I don't have to wear glasses or go through the process. I've never seen an optometrist. My father, you know, slowly lost his his uh, you know clarity and his uh, reading abilities and had to get glasses. So I know it's in my future. Same with my mom. Um, but I think that's just part of old age, you know, your eyes eventually wear down and you're going to need something. Um, I mean, we're not robots. We're deteriorating. We're constantly, what is it called? Entropy. Big word. There we go. Word of the day. Maybe entropy. We're always dying. And that includes my eyes as well. I guess it's always dying. You know, hair will fall out, turn gray and my eyes will slowly decay. Same with hearing, you know, although I think I have good hearing once I pull out all the wax out of it. Okay, next is bread. Big, big fan of bread. Me, like, you know, I know that's a <laughs> friggin' hot take, but huge fan of bread. And you know what really annoys me about bread, though, and bread making? Whenever you look up a bread recipe online, they're going to say, great, so get your flour, put it in your mixer, uh, attach your bread hook, and let it go for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, bitch, I cannot afford a kitchen aid. They're like $600 and I'm not getting it so I can make, you know, bread I could buy for $1.50. I want to know how these people made the bread before a mixer. I know they did it because bread is one of the oldest freaking things that we made. It said it on this program that they made, they were making them thousands of years ago in Egypt. So, you know, how, how, how were they making it then? And I, I looked it up and I've never used a mixer to make my breads. And I've tried a variety of breads. I recently made sourdough which is a little different because it doesn't actually require any kneading. So I don't know if you would ever even put sourdough in a, in a mixer anyway, but I've made other breads that, you know, may require, uh, uh, like, uh, does challah? Maybe not. I've definitely made bread where it's required a mixer, but I think it's, it's bullshit. We made bread thousands of years before we needed a mixer. Why is every freaking recipe under the sun requiring a mixer? It's, Goddamn ridiculous. But in this, this program, how is it made bread? It is not showing you your grandmother's recipe for how to make bread. It is showing you the capitalist way to make bread. And that is high quantity, um, a low cost. I think there is one human that comes into this entire process. The rest is just automated. I tell you, if robots took over the world, it would be by using the, their complete market control over the manufacturing of bread like and this this program doesn't just show you one type of bread either it shows you two types yep uh hot dogs as well as your standard loaf it's kind of crazy actually how automated it is they've got everything down to a pat the fact that the the kneading and the ball rolling and the flouring and the resting the the re the dough rests on a conveyor belt on its way to the next stage it's all calculated and so perfectly timed that these breads come out the same exact way every single time. Um, and it kind of amazes me. And that's the whole point of the show, I guess, to just truly shock people at how automated the whole process of all of this is. I've never made bread like this, though. I'm saying like this as if you guys can see what I'm looking at. I've never made just like a white bread that is very much like a rectangle or a yeah, a rectangle shape. I've always made like the, the like a Greek bread or like sourdough or a French bread or something like that. I guess it never really appealed to me just to make plain old white bread. 
the closest I came to making white bread is the Japanese milk bread, which is closer to a challah than than an actual like white bread that you would just get at your local bakery. What this all tells me with bread making is that it truly, truly is just a science. And it's so, you know, if you just follow these exact steps, you will get this every single time, which is kind of comforting to, to note that it's like, as long as you put these ingredients in and mix it this way, it's going to produce the same result. I think that was like the message at the end of Julia, Julie and Julia, Julie, Julia, that Meryl Streep, Amy Adams film. I think she says in something, something about, I think she's making like meringue or something like that. Amy Adams, a really annoying character. If you ever watch that film, super annoying. Honestly, I would just cut out the Amy Adams bits and just watch Streep, the uh, Julia Child. But Amy Adams says, you know, if I mix butter and milk in this exact same way, it will froth up and it will produce this blah, blah, blah. And it's very like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Um, but to be honest, she also has a really good point. You know, it's, it's scientific. It, it produces the same thing. And to her, it's a comfort that it just produces the same thing on mass. And I get it. This bread, it's packaging itself. I, I think I saw a human once in this process. It, it just boggles my mind. Capitalism is how it's made a capitalist program. I think maybe that can be our overarching thesis question for this podcast. Is this all in service of capitalism and glorifying it? And yeah, we'll we'll take deeper dives into that. We'll see whether we can get more out of this program than just why it's made. But I think we'll, we will. Oh, my goodness. I'm watching the, the credits and the host is also the animator. Ah, that's crazy. Mark to oh, he has a funny name. Funny name says Yanni Signs. Um, Mark Tuski. No, that's definitely not it. Mark, I got Mark. Okay. Um, Tuxbury. Tuxbury, maybe. T e w k s b u r y. Tuxbury. Something like that. I'm sure I'm saying it 100% wrong. Anyway, so there. I think that's enough time for me to scream at my microphone. Like you know, short episode, whatever. I don't want them to be too long. Maybe we'll get some guests on maybe every month. I was thinking how uh, you guys can let me know how this sounds. I was thinking every at the start of every month, we do like a little readers, like a not a readers. What are you guys? A listeners episode where you send me shorts, a short story containing. Is this already too much? Am I assigning? Uh, I just think it would be fun. So just listen to me. It's, listeners submit a short story containing four basically containing the items that were in an episode. So I'm going to do like an episode a week, I guess. And then at the end of the month, you pick one of the episodes and you write a little short story, maybe 500 words. Okay, maybe I won't do this because it sounds like such a challenge for readers, but I think it'd be funny to like hear a short story that someone has written or like a poem that contains, you know, aluminium foil, a snowboard, contact lenses and bread. Like I would read that. Or maybe I should write that. No, I do enough. I have a YouTube channel if anyone wants to check it out. Um, you can look up Yanni Signs because that's my private one, but then not private, but I don't produce much content on that. And then I have this other one called Film Gaze, where we look at uh, gays, gay people, queer people in film. I also have Instagram, Twitter. You can reach me at Yanni Signs on all of those platforms. And yeah, I hope that this is going to be fun. And that my audio quality is okay. Just like absolutely read me to filth in, in the comments section if you think my microphone is shit. Um, and I'll do nothing about it. 
So thank you guys for listening. Um, This has been Why It's Made. And I will see you next week.